Hey everyone, this is V from Left of Lenin. We wanted to thank you guys for listening to our podcast and supporting us weekly. We wanted to apologize ahead of time for any static or feedback you might hear during the course of this episode. We're still getting our equipment and audio recording techniques in order. With that said, we hope you enjoy this episode of Left of Lenin. Cue the intro. little crazy. I just saw earlier today that uh, the Biden administration is worrying about Christmas. Christmas of all things. Yes. Yeah, so apparently uh, the shipping with okay. our with our trucking yeah. is so backed up with the supply lines that they're worrying the crap out of the Biden administration because, you know, you can imagine poll numbers absolutely tanking when right. they want to buy Christmas gifts. Right. I mean, it, it makes sense because everything's interlinked and, and we look to the administration for guidance on right. a lot of stuff. But so supply it's kind lines of funny. are completely shutting down across the country where... It's kind of funny that Christmas determines the popularity of a president. They're like, terrified of it. They're, yeah. they're actually afraid that... I mean, if you go to the supermarket, people are saying... I don't go to the supermarket. I order my groceries. But if you go to the supermarket, that apparently there's less food on the shelves and that's freaking people out. It's all trucking, right? It's not a, right. It's not a supply issue necessarily. It's just getting it to people. So a lot of people are scared, not to mention that gas prices are like $5, $4, depending where you live. And so, also the uh, the chip shortage causing a, you know, a complete lack of ability to buy technology for businesses, individuals, like sure. anybody. So a lot of people are uh, scared right now, but have no fear. Your favorite socialist news podcast, Left of Lenin, is here. I am your host, Alan. With my good friend and co-host V. Hello, hello. Always happy to make your morning commutes, or wherever you're listening from, a little bit more enjoyable, a little bit more political, a little bit more funny. Uh, Whatever reaction you get out of hearing two losers on the internet talk. Today we're going to be talking about some lighter topics than the impending uh, wintry doom of this country as as civil war inevitably uh, envelops the entire fucking country, which is guaranteed to happen this winter. And the total and utter predictable collapse of our society under the brute force of capitalism ensues. But before that happens, we have Netflix shows, something I think everyone can appreciate. V, today you said that you finished a certain show. Yes, Squid Game. So needless to say, there's going to be lots of spoilers here. If you haven't seen the show, definitely pause this podcast Go watch it and then come back and, and listen to our in-depth analysis. Right. So this is the number one show in over 90 countries right now. Uh, I believe the language has been translated in are numerous. So most of the world can now watch Squid Game. Most of the world has watched Squid Game. Most importantly, it's the number one show in my heart. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it followed with me for about a week after I finished. Hmm. Uh, I still think about it. Because, I mean, other people are discovering it. I mean, it's kind of like a social phenomenon right now. Right. And, you know, I was thinking about Squid Game. And before we talk about what it is and and what it's about and 
our analysis of it, you know, the show really could only get big around this time. That's what I was thinking as well. Like, if this show came out, like, five years ago, I don't think anyone would have given much of a shit. Either wouldn't have given much of a shit, or we probably would have heard scathing reviews, at least by right. mainstream pundits. Right. Uh, and but, journalists. So, Squid Game is set in South Korea. 456 people are in heavy debt inside South Korea. Uh, they don't see a future, no way out. I mean, they are just being hounded by debtors or, or threatened to go to prison or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Which, they, by the way, shout out to Korean media. This is the second banger they've produced in a, in a short period of time. Right. What was the other uh, movie called? It Parasite. Was, yeah, Parasite. It was the big one. Huge and before one. that was actually Snowpiercer. Oh, they did? Yeah. So South, South production as well? technically half a South Korean film. Wow. Um, Snowpiercer, yeah. Incredible. So South Korea in general, the artists are willing to go a bit further than I think American artists are when talking mm-hmm. about anti-capitalism. The right. wealth inequality in South Korea is just like all over the world. You know, uh, people are living in poverty. They are struggling to get by. They are alienated from their work. They are, in some cases, unable to find work. Forced to do things they hate under a coercive system that keeps them poor and working for the rest of their lives. Right. And all these people come together uh, in Squid Game. So the whole point is 456 people play a game. There are six rounds, six children's games. And if they win all six rounds, then they get the prize money which is constantly accumulating above their heads. So in their bedroom, the, the I guess it's a warehouse or a hall, whatever you'd call it, where they all sleep, every time someone dies, a giant piggy bank literally fills with money on, like, on top of them, uh, reminding them what they're playing for. Right. It's a very visceral, like, direct sort of representation of, of like, the goal. Right. And so... Th- Watching this, there are two types of people, right? There are the people who are watching this going, oh my god, life in South Korea sucks. Right, uh, yeah. Or two people are going, oh, this is everywhere. Right. You know, like this. the reason why this is the top show in 90 countries is because everyone relates to this type of, of rat race. I mean, multiple times throughout the show, you have characters who are saying like, yeah, they'd rather take their chances in the game. Mm. Because at least they have a chance in the game, right? In, in the right. real world, they don't have anything. Right, definitely. Th- th- that's, I think that was actually episode two, titled Hell, um, where they basically showed you that, uh, like, regardless of whether they're in the game, outside the real world, they're still at the bottom tier of society, forced into this, in, into this class by powers way beyond them. And so they figured at least, like, there's an air of chance inside the facility there's an air of possibility that hey maybe i'm the one on top at the end there's a there's like, a lot you can dive into yeah. with, with this show and you know billionaires who are playing by a different set of rules uh, right at no point are the billionaires ever really in trouble or in right actual uh in danger in any way uh yeah. they are constantly getting away with literal murder to them this money that they're giving away is you know. Just change, pocket change. Yeah. And it's like the type of entertainment. Well, it's kind of interesting because it parallels the real world. 
where we have billionaires who are just bored of their lives here on Earth and they're just vying to go to space and right. just like, you know, journey to this new frontier, which is probably the most, I guess, lavish representation of, of like wealth and spending that you could possibly do at, at this stage uh, in human history. Right, because one of the characters literally say, I don't know if you've ever been rich, it's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing left for you to do. Yeah, you've and, surmounted everything. And, you know, literally how how that comes off when you know, because you followed all these poor characters, and to hear the billionaire say that is just obviously right. the, the craziest shit in the world, where you, you get to cosplay being poor for fun. For fun, yeah. Yeah, just experience cheap lives. Yeah. yeah. So some of the characters we have, we have the main character. I'm not going to bother butchering the uh, Korean spellings or names myself. Oh, goodness, no. Same here. Uh, so you have the main character, who is a former unionized worker in a uh, motor company in South Korea. They took the job away. Um, his union then did a... Big protests, big, uh, they built barricades, and then the police came in, cracked skulls, literally killed some of them. He has PTSD, he hasn't had a real job in like 10 years, tries to start a business, can't do it, gets completely shut down, total poverty at this point. You have a his friend who is, I mean, he's an investor, he's a financier. Right, he's like a financial guru, he was, he was dealing in like futures, which is this extremely risky form of like, um, uh, stocks betting essentially right, he was a gambler and he, he was lost. a gambler yeah and now he owes a lot of people money which to him there's no chance of him getting back there is a girl from north korea who comes down to south korea uh hoping things are better and she kind of reveals that her life is not better in south korea than it was in north korea no matter where you go on the planet if you're poor you're poor yes uh, it doesn't actually matter and she has a great moment where someone asks her flat out is it better here she just doesn't even respond. She's trying to get her family from, uh, trying to get her mother from North Korea to South Korea, trying to get her brother uh, adopted. She needs money for that to take care of him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you, you have a criminal. Yes. Um, yeah. Who... Like a gang mafia member, whatever. Right. Just a, just a flat out fucking mafia uh, member. Right. Right. Yeah. Not even sure what he represents. I'm hearing there's more going on, but... Right. Uh, you have a woman. well. He's like the petty criminal of the show, in in the same sense that, you know, we when we think of criminals in our world, we think of people like him. When in reality, it's really the billionaires who are pulling the strings, buying governments, buying politicians, setting up the initial conditions that lead to the deaths of millions of people that are the true criminals. But we're the ones who are hyper fixated on this one guy who's stuck in the room with them who is a little bit more explicitly violent, but he's the distraction that we are fed. We're right. so fixated on him, we don't notice the the violence being done by the people at the top. Yeah, he's not really the bad guy. Nah. Yeah, at the end yeah. of the day... He's the sock puppet. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's easy to look at the, the this guy and be like, oh, you're such a dick, he's definitely the villain. At the end of the day, right. we're all in the same room. Right. You know? At the end of the day, you and I are in the same exact boat. Right. Um, you're not much better than I. Yeah. At the end of the day. There's another woman character who, uh, she's a bit of a con artist, I guess. She has a line in the show that she's really smart. Uh, she just couldn't afford to study. Yes. Is that the crazy girl? The... Yes. Oh, God. I have so many opinions. So she, ha she has bad. a very flat out line that said, because, you know, in South Korea, it's incredibly privatized. 
Right. Um, there's a scene in the show where the character has diabetes, um, and she flat out says, I can't stay in the hospital. We can't afford it. We don't have insurance. Right. Um, in, you know, America and South Korea are like two of the few countries with like privatized healthcare systems for the most part. Right. The character said I couldn't afford school because, you know. It just hits me how crazy it is that if you're in the UK or, you know, Denmark or Sweden or Germany. If you're over the border, Germany, if you're in North Korea, like, yeah. you, uh, you will get free healthcare. Yeah, it, it's crazy just how the you know, like they could be watching the same show and, and not say, feel the same sort of, they, they won't get it quite as much as we would so, seeing uh, those scenes. North Korea actually, the literal North Korea, uh, actually released some news statements about Squid Game. Right. Um, saying how, you know, it represents South Korea in a world where everyone's just like fighting over money and you now it's dominating. Yeah, you know, it's a right. you know. Yeah, talking point. So they they got that pretty well, but I mean I think they're obviously they're right. Like it is it is touching ninety countries right now because ninety countries are all feeling the same thing. You know? Right. With the labor shortage, the, the reason why there's a labor shortage is because people want to fuck the fuck this job. Right. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um. If everyone has labor shortage, that means you know you're seeing McDonald's trying to hire people for sixteen, seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour. And, right. Um. People don't want to work. For nothing, and in, in you know, grind their shitty lives out. I think one of the one of the uh, silver linings of the of the COVID pandemic was that it allowed a lot of people to just step away from their daily routine, step away from their work, and sort of evaluate their their trajectory in life, their right. values, and and realize like, wow, you know, there really is no reason for me to break my back for my boss here. Exactly, or for this, like soulless corporation that views me as just a replaceable part, you right. know? And, and Republicans are furious. Right. Like, I mean, they, they hate the fact they have to go to a restaurant and it's understaffed. They immediately go to the, oh my God, people are, are lazy. Yeah, people line. are so fucking lazy, they don't want to work for $2 an hour anymore. You know, we got to take their unemployment. That's something Joe Biden's saying, like, oh, I'm so happy that unemployment is the lowest it's ever been. It's lowest it's ever been because you threw people off it. Right. People would still be on it if you let them be on it. You threw yeah. people off. So don't say, don't be proud. Saying, it's yeah. like people got the fucking jobs. Right. You know? It's similar to like the purge, where it's like, oh, you know, homelessness rates are are at an all time low. But it, yeah, it's because you have the purge, and the purge like kills homeless people. Like, right. You know, you, we could we could play around with st- statistics and numbers all day, and make anything, even North Korea, look like a utopia. Like, right. It just you can play around any way yeah. you want to. I've been reading a lot of articles about Squid Game, and some of them are just mind blowing. You know, it's like I think it was the Wall Street Journal or or the Washington Post, and said something along the lines of. Perhaps it's the fact that poverty is so high in America that Squid Game is doing so well in America. I'm just like, you fucking think? Yeah, right. Like, that's the most stupid shit in the world. I saw yeah. one, it was like, you know, the top eight life lessons you can learn from Squid Game. Number one, don't spend money beyond your means. And it's like, what the fuck? Oh my god, that's such boomer energy. It, it, it is. Yeah. It really is. Like, Because again, there's two Number types two, of people who watch it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It literally. Yeah. It's like, start your own business start so you're not business. relying on other people. <laughs> you know, it, it's, again, there's two types of people who watch Squid Game. Right. Those who think, man, South South Korea sucks. Right. Uh, or two people who get like, oh, it's it's literally the whole fucking system that's coming to an end. There's so many ways you could take this. Uh, just the level of symbolism in, in Squid Game is incredible. Um, like the the whole bunk bed thing. I've never seen a bunk bed with six levels stacked on top of each other. Uh, the stairs, you know, like reminiscent of that one painting where you've got like the impossible stairs yeah. going all over the place. 
uh, resembling like you know the the ladder of life trying to climb up to the next tier. There's hierarchy built into all of the imagery in this movie, right. which is you know how we sort of view capitalism in any system like it. Right, and a lot like there's a lot of messages they share with Parasite and uh, Snowpiercer because it's all anti-capitalist at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, the creator of Parasite literally said that. They asked him like, why his films do so well all over the world. Because we all live in the same country. The country is called capitalism. Right. You know? like, that's yeah. why it works so well. The, the um, corporate states of right. the world. And there's, you know, I mean, there's a whole theme in Parasite without spoiling anything but that movie about how, you know, how quickly uh, some members of the working class are to step on the necks of other members of the working class. And it means that they can get even a little bit ahead. Right. And in you know, Squid Game, the same kind of thing happens where, you know, there's a lot of benefit to working together and being in teams in this in this show, but it's just, it's really not enough to, uh, to... No, the game, I mean, they... Because the the it also incentivizes, right. you know, the killing way, each other. The way they portray the game, yeah, at every step, and you kind of get the sense, that sense when... Uh, I forget if it was like the after the first night or after the second night when they demonstrated that they don't care if you, as a member of the game, kill another player. It actually causes the the piggy bank to fill with money. Right. There's no consequences in You're front of everyone's be, eyes. Exactly, and you're not going to be shot. You're the guards are going to come in, carry the body out, and that's it. And from that point on, it became a free for all where people realized, like, oh, if I just kill my neighbor, I can move ahead in life. Right. And that's when all hell broke loose. That's when you realize, like. It's not so much just the guards and, and like the people who run that sort of facility right. that are the threat or the problem. It's it's the people around you, too, because they've successfully played a divide-and-conquer kind of game. Yeah. Two, two other characters that are in the show. You have a very old man who is supposed to represent, of course, he claims he's incredibly old. He has a tumor in his head. Can't afford to get it removed. Um, at the end of his life, very poor, it, it, you know, it's so that I claims he has like dementia and right. all sorts of other problems. Um, really yeah. on the Martin's side, he'd rather die playing than because he, again, he stands no chance on the outside. Right. There's another character in his name is Ali. He is in, uh, Indian. Actually, he's Pakistani. Is that what he said? Yeah, he's Pakistani. I thought he said, he, oh, that's right. Cause he it's said a near he's Pakistani yeah. and the line was it's, uh, on above India. Yeah. To the North of or yeah, something yeah. like I that. I knew it was why. Yeah. Yeah. So he's Pakistani, and because he's an immigrant, his boss is able to not pay him money. He loses two fingers. He he can't afford to get them back right. from his boss. So again, all of these different types of characters all winding up in the same place. Really, the only way to not wind up in this game would be you know to be the ones organizing it. Because exactly. anyone yeah. could wind up there. Right. What, what, what was even sh- more shocking, even the workers at the facility organizing everything the guards they were also living under meager conditions they were also orchestrated into very rigid hierarchies if i had to i one of the things i wanted to do and ask you was like how would you correlate each group of people in the movie to their real world equivalents uh my division would be something along the lines of the vips at the top being the billionaire class right like the the stakeholders of corporations, the board of directors, sure. just that class of people, the untouchables. The the guy with the really epic mask, I forget. You the know, frontman. The frontman, yeah. He's like the, he's like the, this is kind of funny. Uh, when people talk about like mainstream media, it's basically a bunch of millionaires 
paid to represent the interests of billionaires. Right. I feel like he's the millionaire class where he is super well off, doing well under capitalism, but he's not like the top dog. But he relies on the top dogs to actually do to like thrive under the system. Then you've got the guards. I think they represent the like the you know how we say that capitalism only is able to exist because of the threat of violence that this you know the state and higher powers have the ability to exercise. They're like the the police force, the military, and I would say maybe to an extent some of the like the professional managerial class, the people, the petite bourgeoisie, exactly the people who aren't thriving. They they're not like owners of capital. They're not you know who the system was designed for, but they're a nice cushion that is allowed to exist right. because they're they the ones... every reason to keep the system the way it is because they're comfortable. Because they're comfortable. They're just comfortable enough where, you know, if there's a riot, they're going to stop it. If there's, you know, trouble, they're going to defend the people right. at the top. And then you've got the actual game members who are the working class, the poor, homeless, the underprivileged, the immigrants, the, you know, every right. walk of life that you can think of that that has nothing i mean I, I would agree with you just about everything i would just say the front men for me is probably a politician probably yeah that's it's probably that's a president one. it's probably someone to organize the game yeah again in, in a way the all of our politicians in congress are in like the millionaire to multi-millionaire hundred right. millionaire category they're still the ones doing the bidding of the billionaires and it just keeps going on like that i um, saw a report recently that we're currently the you know, we used to say that, you know, the top 1% have more money and the bottom 50%. Now it's like 60%. Right. You know, like, they have more money than the entirety of the middle class combined. Right. So, yeah. we, are, we are at a point where, you know, wealth inequality keeps going up. And we haven't seen wealth inequality since, like, the French Revolution on, on this this scale. Right. Um, I have actually, I recently looked at a video completely unrelated to this. I wasn't, like, preparing for today or anything, but... It, I, I just thought it was a serendipitous moment where uh, it talked about how like the, the the like the billionaire class of today is at the point where they proportionately own more wealth than like like the top class and like ancient Rome did, where you could be like I don't know maybe the Roman emperor himself and still not proportionately be as wealthy as someone like sure. Jeff Bezos today is, which is just astounding to sure. me. Um, I mean, we, again, we have never seen this much wealth inequality before right? with people like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, uh, Bill Gates. And, you know, it's not just those. Th- I mean, those are the, the most public three. You know, they're, look at the Forbes top 500 here. And right. Look at, like, how many hundreds of millions of dollars some of these people have out there that are, right. you know, just the most wicked people out there possible. The Mark Zuckerbergs. Yeah. The, you know. Yeah. And it's... um. It's again like in, in the way the movie portrays these people, similarly to the way they're portrayed in real life. It's the people like like the Jeff Bezoses and the Mark Zuckerbergs that, y- if you walked past them on the street, you wouldn't think anything of them. You wouldn't blink. You know, you wouldn't blink twice. You wouldn't double take, um, because they they look like average people. They're not out there stabbing people. They're not committing crimes that are easy to articulate or see. Mm-hmm. They're not vivid crimes. But when you consider, like, their net contribution to human suffering through, like, the exploitation of the people they hire, force them to pee in bottles. Right. I just saw an article today that was, like, Amazon workers um, are basically spied on via camera. Like, they'll they'll receive a text message to fire them when they're not meeting secret quotas that sure. they're not even told. 
they're worked halfway to death. You heard the, the, the tragic one where, like, some guy died in a heart attack, from a heart attack in, in the warehouse, and they did nothing for, like, 30 minutes. Right. But then the moment one, one worker, like, put a package in the wrong place, like, they, they immediately contacted them to tell them of the, the issues. Right. Like, that kind of shit's... I mean, there are stories like that Unquantifiable yeah. damage, you know? It's not the the kind of visceral stuff you associate with villains. You know what? You brought up villains. Yeah. Uh, there's a villain I want to talk about, actually. Oh, yeah. Andrew Yang. Yeah. That bastard. Oh, my God. So, Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang, if you're unaware, maybe you're not terminally online like a lot of people. Mm. Uh, Andrew Yang is was a you know big financer, businessman, entrepreneur. He decided to run for president in 2020. He obviously had a pretty big cult following, the Yang Gang, right? Hashtag Yang Gang, yeah. Um, these were kind of technocrats. These were somewhat libertarians. These were kind of a, a group of people who were not politically activated very much before him. Kind of like a micro-Bernie in his own way, where just he kind of got this following right. of people. Because he was talking in a way that no one ever heard before. Uh, his big push, of course, was universal basic income. Uh, you give everybody $1,000 a month, and then it lets people maybe work a job uh, a bit easier, work a job that they don't want to work, work a job they like, because um, now you have all that extra money in your pocket, you're not going to starve. So without the threat of, you know, starvation hmm. or homelessness, you're able to maybe take up a hobby, maybe you're, you get all this extra money. Uh, then you bring up to him and his followers, like, what, what's stopping the landlord just from jacking up everyone's prices a $1,000? And they, they got no response. They, they don't fucking know any of that. He And his UBI was also somewhat controversial among the left. I'm not sure if he ever explicitly talked about whether or not he planned on instantiating UBI while at the same time reducing other benefits. Because that would have been bad if, if he... A lot of people on the left were saying, like, oh, well, the UBI can't replace, like, food stamps, and it can't replace, right? you know, like, uh, Medicaid and all these other programs. Like, the, the money just wouldn't be enough. But he, I think I remember hearing him say on a recent interview on uh, Kyle Crystal and Friends, him saying that he had no intention of, like, reducing or replacing the other benefits. Sure. Again, it's unclear. When he was campaigning, I, I didn't get that sense. I thought that he was going to go down the you libertarian line. Yeah, you constantly get the feeling that Andrew Yang is constantly learning on the go. He, right. He's constantly refining what he believes, like, at like every day improvising improvising really to, to figure out like who is andrew yang politically with mixed results let me add yeah so andrew yang he dropped out after new hampshire that's like the sex so after iowa of new hampshire dropped out after that people were you know his his own fan devastated he endorsed uh joe biden he later said he kind of regretted it at least on twitter wow. because he doesn't think he got enough like concessions out of it he then i mean he fell in line you know, surprise, surprise. Didn't get the concessions from the... the yeah. Fell in line like the rest liberal. of them. Yeah. He then ran for mayor of New York City. He was number one in all the polls for months and months. Uh, he then fell mm. to, like, fourth place. Right. Uh, complete fucking utter collapse. Was that over, like, the circumcision stuff? No, no. So he... So famously, he had, like, a thousand things on his website that he talked about. Circumcision was one of them. Um, just like how he felt about everything, 
right? It was like Israel was a big one. Yeah, there was yeah. one where he, he got questioned about Israel, and, and so the war in Gaza uh, was just happening where all these people were getting blown the fuck up by Israel. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I think Israel has the right to, you know, defend itself. And they're just saying, well, you know, they're, they're fucking absolutely destroying the Palestinians right now. Right. And he's like, well, you know, it's, it's, so he was kind of like, yeah, so people are following him and attacking. Well, the best thing is just stay, stay the fuck quiet. Right. Like, yeah. what, what the fuck are you do? don't, that's not something the mayor needs to fucking talk about. No. Quite frankly. So he, he's getting absolutely slammed for that. He just looked like a goofball. And he lost all of his support, and he got, like, fourth place in the mayor's election. He then decided to wait a few months, and now he is launching a new political party, mm. the Forward Party. Oh, boy. It's based on his, like, catchphrase from the election. Not left, not right, forward. Yeah, so his whole thing is radical centrism. Is that what he says? Yes. That, that Are is you what he, kidding me? Yes, radical centrism. That that is his main goal. So not left, not right, forward, which is really doesn't mean a thing. No, it, it, where not, are we going to? Not where, only is it meaningless, and I disagree with it in principle. It just seems like tactically a stupid thing to do. That's not where the country's mental space is right now. We're not. We got. We're very divided. Like he, I think, like his strategists, his democratic strategists, who right. get paid to give him bad ideas. Their idea is like, oh, we need to heal the country. We need to do the Joe Biden-esque thing of like going straight down the middle. But it's like nobody on the left and right want to work with each other. It's no. just unanimous. If you're part of MAGA, you don't want to have anything to do with we, milquetoast yeah. Democrats, let alone Bernie-esque people. We are getting very close you know? to the 1860s sort of vibe where, you know, the North and the South right. did not want to talk to each other in any way, shape, or form. During that time, you had political parties start popping up saying, hey, look, what if we just kick the can down the road even further? What if we work together? What if we, hmm. you know, what if we only agreed in the, you know, famously the Constitution Party? Oh, wow. With, uh, cool. I think his name was John Bell. He said, you know, what if we only follow the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? We forget everything else. You know, hmm. we, we really don't go to war with each other. Got like no fucking votes. Yeah, of right? course. Because at the end yeah. of the day, you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. We're going to war, baby. Like, right. figure a fucking side. And, you know, Democrats had uh, two candidates at the same time. Mm. Because, so you, you know, real quick. So the Republican Party, obviously in the North, the Republican Party was really the, what was left of the Whig Party, what was left of all these other political parties that really didn't agree on a lot of things. But they agreed on was like, yo, slavery's fucking bad, right? Yeah, it's bad. So they, right. they come together. Let's just agree we're Republicans. The South, uh, they put forward a candidate who says flat out, hey, so I don't want to expand slavery, but if, right. you, if you have slaves, no big deal. Right. Right? Like, whatever it is. It's sort of the same thing Abraham Lincoln was saying. Yeah. The Southern Democrats, furious. So this is the funniest thing. This shows you how, like, Republicans, by and large, haven't passed basic civics class in high school. Because it's, like, right. one of the first things you learn in American history is that the, there was a huge political realignment between the Democrats yeah. and Republicans. But Republicans are always like, Lincoln was a Republican. We freed the slaves. The Democrats were racist. It's like, yeah, you're talking about yourselves. They, they swapped right. platforms. There literally like, was a realignment. Um, as It's a huge, like we did a yeah. whole chapter on Especially it. around like FDR, of course. It was on the test. Yeah. Come on, guys. So basically, uh, the Democrats put forward this guy who was a northern Democrat with southern sympathies. And the Southern Republicans are furious, so they put so the Southern Republicans put forward their own Democrat. 
Wow. Beckenridge. So there was two Democrats running at the same time, along with Lincoln, along with that dude, John Bell, the Constitution Party, and really just came down. Are you in the North? Mm. Are you in the South? Right. Are you pro-slavery? Are you anti And that's kind of where America is right now as a country. Mm-hmm. It, it really is just like, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican right now? And you have someone like Andrew Yang who's trying to form this like third party. Right. Um, which is meaningless. First off, the, the history of third parties in this country, no third party's ever won the, the president. Well, depending on how you really want to look at it, I guess. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, his, his second presidential run, he didn't run as a Republican. He ran as like this union Republican right. candidate. But like, if you get rid of that, yeah. no third party's ever won like presidency. No. Um, I mean, it, it was paltry what they were able to manage, but like the most impressive, like, modern history uh, example was probably 2016 like jill stein and gary johnson taking the the total amount that they did for the greens and the libertarians oh, yeah. and even that was like nothing so in modern day the libertarians got like three percent of the vote like that is yeah. as high as they've ever been green was like one percent um, if, if you go back i think to i believe it's like 1864 you get george wallace and the mm. american independent party or something and you know he basically it was like the last hurrah for segregation Oh my gosh, yeah. So George Wallace, I think, pretty sure he was the guy who said segregation now, segregation forever. And uh, he won like three or four states in the South, third party, right. because the populations were so low. Electoral votes, he got like nothing. So it was a waste of fucking time. So I got Andrew Yang's six core principles. Oh boy, here we go. So these are the six things that Andrew Yang's new political party really wants to focus on. Number one, grace and tolerance. What does that even mean? How is that a political statement? What policy does that translate to, I wonder? Also, grace... Here's the thing. Tolerance makes sense. I understand. Like, right. I, I know what the word tolerance means. Yeah. You can use the word grace. Right? What, like, that is such a, like a vague... Like, I want you to be graceful, right? Where it's right. like, well, you're not going to be winning anything. So what no. are you going to be graceful about? No. If are you, the if Republicans yeah, going to be graceful? Who? The Republicans? Yeah, if you were, if you were like curb stomping Republicans, and Democrats, and you're like, "Yo, I'm not going to talk shit about them." That's graceful, right? You're bottom of the barrel. So, what? How are you using the term grace? So, all right, core six core principles: Andrew Yang, grace and tolerance. Number two, fact based governance. Also I, makes no sense. Also makes no sense, right? Because you can make the facts say whatever you want them to say. Exactly. Absolute bullshit. Doesn't no. make any sense. The facts are clear that if you got rid of student loan debt right now. Right. The country be way better fucking spot. What does he give a shit? Yeah. The facts say that climate change is an impending thing that's going to destroy everything. Yeah. You know? Are you going to stop coal and gas, bro? Yeah. He's no. Guaranteed. He would. He would do like a very milk toast response right. to climate change. Uh, all right. Moving on. Human centered capitalism. That's not possible. Exactly. That's, same. That's, same fucking deals before. Doesn't make any sense. What does that mean? Yeah, let's let's create a humanitarian exploitative system whereby everybody is inherently unequal but equal at the same time. Right. Um, universal basic income. That's that's something I can that's get his behind. Thing. Right. Right. That that's been his thing since day one. Everyone gets a thousand dollars. Effective modern day government. Right. I think I think he's talking about like being a little bit having the government be more tech savvy and being able to make laws that aren't from, like, the constitutional era. Right. But, when you say, but like, even then, it's like... When you say modernization of government, like, again... Yeah. Like, these are these are just... All right. These it's, are, like, four words. Right. What does that mean? You're going to have to give me more than that. Um, rank choice voting. Rank choice voting and is something open I can primary. get behind. So that's, yeah. that's something I can get behind. 
Yeah. Uh, the rest, obviously bullshit. Uh, he talks about regulation of former Congress members from becoming lobbyists. Hard to go against that. Like policy decisions that are fact-based. So now I'm just talking about things that he has on his site. Okay. Um, so policy policy decisions that are fact-based. Of course, every fucking president is going to say that they're making fact-based decisions. Right. He says assertion of data as a property right. That's a pretty good idea. That's a good one. Yeah. Institution of 18-year term limits for members of Congress. First of all, I think 18 years is too long, but here's the thing. You can't get Congress to pass the rule. Because no one thinks, right. like, oh, I'm going to be in Congress 18 years from now. Right, So right. you, you got to say, hey, vote for it now. So you say, hey, you only get, like, four years. No, no Congress person is going to vote for that. Right. Use of redistricting commissions to avoid gerrymandering, expansion of open primaries, elimination of big money in politics, blah, blah, blah. What the hell does any of that mean? Look, I, in theory, I support the last one there, but the problem is, is that unlike Bernie, Andrew Yang doesn't have a long, long, multi-decade track record and history of actually fighting for that stuff. Right. You know, anybody can come in and say anything progressive sounding. I'm not going to believe them until they've proven it. And, you know, Andrew Yang has proven within the last year or two that he's he's just like every standard politician. He's it, It's pseudo-populism. Yeah. Right? It Knowing what to say and how to say it. And then not delivering on it. Right. So I saw this comparison. Did you ever watch The Simpsons growing up? I have not actually watched The Simpsons. Do you know uh, Kronos and Kodos, the uh, the two aliens from space that look green? Can't say I do. So they're, they're a running character gag in The Simpsons. Uh, they almost never get used. Okay. It's more like Treehouse of Horror type okay. stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, which, if you ever watch The Simpsons, I guess you don't know what that means. Right. Uh, non-canon... Okay. Uh, spooky episodes. So yeah. the alien uh, pretends to be Bill Clinton. Oh, interesting. And he has a line that says, My fellow Americans, as a young boy, I dreamed of being a baseball. But tonight I say we must move forward, not backward. Upward, not forward. And always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. And everyone starts applauding. <laughs> and every time I hear Andrew Yang speak, I think of like that line. Right. That, well, that is that's Andrew Yang definitely embodies that line. But uh, there's one person from the 2020 Democratic lineup that I think that it, like hits hit that hits the nail on the head way better for. Can you guess who it is? Pete. Pete. Pete Buttigieg. All right, Pete Buttigieg, the rat. But you know what? Pete's, Am I allowed to call him a rat on yeah, the uh, podcast? Yeah, he's, right, he's, he's absolutely a rat. Yeah. Cheese, motherfucking rat. <laughs> yeah. So look, Andrew Yang, he's trying to push a third party. There has never been a successful third party. What happens every fucking time is that the party gets eaten by other parties, by right. the Republican Democratic Party. Definitely. So before FDR, you had the Populist Party, mm-hmm. and the Populist Party got swallowed up by the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, the right. Democratic Party became very left-wing right. uh, for American politics states status. Um, the Republican Party... You know, mm. they ate up um, the American Independent Party. They mm. ate up the Dixiecrats. Right. These pro-segregation parties, they ate them up. Right. Um, and that's what keeps happening over and over again, is eventually candidates start making overtures to third parties. Mm. Now, Andrew Yang can make, create this third party. He might be able to get some overtures, but his party's going to vanish immediately. Oh, immediately. Right, yeah. There's no already, shot. I already don't even remember the name of the party. What is it? The Forward Party? The Forward Party. Yeah, another not backwards, forward, no, not, not backwards. left, not right, <laughs> forward, twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. 
twirling towards freedom. Nice. Um, so again, uh, this guy is a, I mean, it might be libelous if I lived outside of this country. Okay. Uh, he is a fraudster. Yeah. He yeah, is a fucking conman. He really is. I can definitely I see mean, that. This dude is getting God knows how much donations. He is going to lure these people into this political party. It's going to go fucking. He's a loser. He's never won political office. This motherfucker right. should have ran for state representative somewhere. Right. Right. In some borough where he could drop tens of billions of dollars. Yeah. And instead, he's trying to make this fucking. Again, third parties are a joke. Mm. Um, what would be more hilarious is if he made this third party and then come 2024, he runs as a Democrat again because he realizes there's no chance. Exactly. Yeah. I, I see that happening. The only two people in this country who could make a third party work would be Trump and Bernie. Right. They're the only people in this country who could make a third saying, hey, listen, I'm taking my ball right. and I'm going home. Who's with me? Mm. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Bernie said he wants to make his own party tomorrow. Right. Um, if he got like AOC and the squad to sign up for it and be members of his party, right. he could get at least, you know, five to 15 percent of the vote. Right. Um, you know, at least the first election. If Trump did it, I think he could do the same 15. Trump still the owns the Republican Party. Yeah. He even says so. I've, I've seen interviews with him lately where he's he basically said that he's like, no, look, if I ran, everybody else would drop out. Yeah. Forget it. It's not a really well, a race. Those, that's also a threat. Yeah. He's making it very known to Ron DeSantis and. Right. Tim Scott and all these other people who are kind of looking. Nikki Haley. They're mm. all kind of looking to run, but not if he's in the way. You know, Ted right. Cruz still wants to be president. Lindsey Graham still wants to be president. These people mm. who, like, you know, sucked his cock for years. Right. Um, and they had their chance to get rid of him with the impeachment, and they didn't. Man, I was I was hoping, hoping and hoping really hard when, you know, Trump was floating around the idea of possibly, you know, running a third party. That would have broken up the Republican Party and... and given the dem- virtually handed the Democrats. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, man. No, I'm really not. I, I think if, if Trump would have ran third party, I think we would have been shocked at the results. Really? I think he could have won. I think he could. So here's the deal. If you go back to, I said third parties never worked in this country and they, never, they really never fucking have. Mm. Um, but the third party candidate, I think of the most is mm. uh, Ross Perot. Okay. So Ross Perot yeah. ran in, I believe, 1992. It was Bill Clinton. It was uh, George H.W. Bush and Ross Perot. Mm-hmm. Ross Perot got like 20% of the vote. Wow. One out of five Americans voted for Ross Perot as an independent. That's crazy. Um, and, wow. this, and Ross Perot was a fucking wild man. Yeah. Ross Perot. This he, is before my time. That's probably why. Yeah. So I Ross heard Perot, I think, what do you call it? I think he called the truth stick and he had like a stick in his hand. And it's like, this is the truth stick. Wow. Uh, that's gimmicky. Yeah. yeah. Gimmicky. This guy, he um, he bought this like huge infomercial, primetime TV, right? All about who Ross Perot is. Mm-hmm. So it was like a half hour long infomercial on Ross Perot in the middle of like primetime. Everyone's right. like watching it, like, all right, who the fuck is Ross Perot? Yeah. Uh, so he got like 20 percent. One out of five Americans voted for this dude. Um, that was without him saying that he was a split off or his own thing. Mm-hmm. I think if Trump was to do that, he would get way more than twenty percent. I yeah, think he, probably. So keep in mind, um, Bill Clinton barely, I mean, it, it's very contentious. If Ross Perot was never in the race, what could have happened? Because mm. um, a lot of the people who voted for Ross Perot just hated George H.W. Bush. Mm. So mm. if Ross Perot was out, do those people vote for George H.W. Bush or do they vote for Clinton? Who knows? Because yeah. they don't like George H.W. Bush. But the whole idea is with a huge third party person like Trump, right. we don't know how many people who hate Joe Biden. Right. 
who are Democrat just say, well, mm. let's fucking break the system, although for Donald Trump. Actually, you're right. I think the, the ratio of, of like Trump conservatives versus like paleo conservatives right. uh, is much in favor of Trump's conservative party. Right. I think I think if you broke off, you're right. I think. Do you identify as a Trump Republican or a Republican? If someone asks you right now, what do you really like about the Republican Party? Is their first answer Trump? Right. And if it is, and it's Republican second. Right. Well, and after that, bro, it's like I'm not I'm not really a Republican. I'm I'm, I'm for this dude Trump. Exactly. I'm following him. Yeah. He says he he's the personality. He's he's got a cult of personality right. around how him. How many how many of these Trumpers show up to vote for Mitt Romney if he gets the nomination? Right. Yeah. Like you know none of them. Or Ted Cruz. Exactly. Or, how many of them you know. show up to to break their ass with Ted Cruz? Yeah. Probably yeah. not. None. Yeah. <laughs> um. So all right, moving on from that, something else you brought this up uh, earlier in the week recently. Certain new thing with celebrities and. Yeah, vaccines. So this morning, if, if you're paying attention to any of the sports news, um, this guy, Kevin Durant, famous basketball player, huge, 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 big time star. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets, says he does not want to get his vaccine shot. That means he can't play. That means this dude is really hurting his team's chances. He says he wants to be a voice for the voiceless, which means this dude's career might be fucking over. Right. Okay. So he's just one of many. Right. Okay. Who are, who are waiting into this topic? Who else has been waiting in? Some of the latest famous cases are uh, Nicki Minaj and her whole like you know swollen testicle scandal. Right. Why? Not, well, don't just drop that. And explain <laughs> what. <laughs> so she uh, she claims to have known someone who had the COVID vaccine and had like some crazy adverse effects, including swollen testicles. So she doesn't even and... say she knows him. She says she knows someone who knows someone. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her cousin's friend or her cousin's best friend or something like that. Some number of degrees away from right. Kevin Bacon. Um, <laughs> yeah. And got, got his COVID shot and uh, his balls inflated. Inflated like a balloon. Yeah. Now, now let's not assume this dude has just like an STD because he cheated on his girlfriend or wife. Right. right. That's not possible. Yeah, and so she, you know, she she blasted Twitter with this. She got ratioed, and well, ratioed I don't know if she hard. got. She, yeah, she broke. Man. Yeah, she broke. She was she was talking about Tucker Carlson, and, and, and then she like doubled down, yeah. and then yeah, you know, supported Tucker Carlson you publicly. You get in trouble when you like you know when uh, you you tell the truth, and it's like you're not you're talking bullshit. Right, and then lately you have Russell Brand. Who? No, I didn't follow the Russell Brand stuff. You're going to have to tell me about that. What did Russell Brand do? Yeah, so for those who are uninitiated, he's a pretty famous uh, comedian. I, I forget. He might have like he, a big presence on social media a few as well. Movies. Yeah, a few movies. Yeah. Um, instantly recognizable face. If you see a picture of him, you'll you'll kind of vaguely know. He's just he's towing the fine line between you know outright saying that he's anti-vax and. You know, he, he's staying within, like, the legal boundary of, of you know, uh, so that he doesn't get taken off of platforms and censored on, like, Twitter and YouTube and whatever. What's he been saying? He's just saying stuff like, you know, hey, guys, and this is, like, the classic conservative line, like, yo, man, you got to do your own research. You know, you got to look it up yourself, you know. Um, don't just take what the mainstream media is telling you. You, know, you got to look it up yourself. Virtually anybody who says look it up yourself or do your own research has not actually done any of their own right. research. It's just a way to say, look, I want you to doubt the mainstream narrative. Um, but he's basically just said everything, virtually everything you can say and still skate by on the current regulations. Right. 
And it's conservatives have taken everything he said, every cryptic message he's put out, and rolled with it. Right. So, you so know. the craziest thing is, is you can be, you know, formerly hated by the by the right wing. Right. You say you're anti-vax, they will fucking defend you with such fury. Yeah, they they'll hold you up a, as a hero, which is exactly what they've done with Russell. Right. And just this whole phenomenon is is crazy to me because what you know it's it's all this power and money and celebrity status going to people's heads and convincing these people that don't have medical degrees don't have an inkling of understanding of the scientific method or how things are done and how to do experiments and how he came to these conclusions right making medical putting medical opinions out there and not realizing the weight of their platform you know, relative, because, and, and that's, that's an interesting, I wanted to ask you this. Or it, it could be more evil. They do realize the way of their platform, and they're right. doing it anyway. And they're doing it anyway. So that's the question is like, where do you fall on the line of, we have to protect free speech at all costs. And some people's speech is more dangerous than other people's speech. Sure. And how do you, how do you maintain a, a good balance there? So I, I'm undecided on this topic. It, it's very tough this discussion in general because of course I believe in free speech. Right. We all believe in free speech. Most people agree that there should be a limit somewhere somehow on free, the famous shouting fire in a movie theater. Now for the record, I think that came from, uh, you know, putting a socialist in prison. Right. Because he was anti-war. Um, and that's where that term comes from. You can't shout fire in movie theaters, like from that Supreme court decision. Right. But, Moving on from that. So everyone kind of agrees that there should be some limit somewhere with yeah. free speech. I can't just say, hey, I'm going to fucking murder you tonight yeah. and like in front of a group of people. Because, you know, there, there are certain punishments, right? right? I can't, like a threat is a direct, threat. Yeah, direct threats you know? of violence. So for those of us who aren't American on like listening to the stream, do you want to let, list out like some of the free speech protections we right. have so here? Are we, uh, if you're an American, uh, you have the Bill of Rights and then amendments to that Bill of Rights in general. Uh, but the big one is number one. The First Amendment is freedom of speech, uh, freedom of protest, uh, freedom of the press, freedom of religion. Uh, all that's tied into the First Amendment, where basically you can say, do, express yourself any way you want. You can criticize the government. Now, for the record, a few times in American history, that power has been taken away. Where If you criticize right. the government, you can be arrested. Um, but for the most part, for American history, you really are allowed to say whatever the hell you want. Um, but the whole freedom of the press problem is other countries do have laws on what the press can and can't say. Right. No, not all of them are very restricted. Like in the UK, uh, the UK is allowed to get away with quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. even though they have libel laws where if you, if you post a flat out lie, mm. you can get sued. Right. Um, so you have to, you have to be able to prove that your paper knew it was a fucking lie when you, when you published it. Right. Or were, you know. Um, so there are, there are laws in other countries here, really the media can say and do whatever they want. Now, when it comes to people like Joe Rogan, right, right. Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, um, right. sort of these big names that are pushing harmful, uh, content. Right. Um, it's tough because I am not necessarily a supporter of the bougie media, right? The, no, definitely the, not. We've been over this a few times on this podcast, the professional media class. Uh, they are a class. They are the upper class. Um, you know, how much power should they have, right? Right. Because, you know, it, you look at what happened with Trump, 
right? Mm-hmm. Trump's in office, and the media attacked him 24-7. Every single possible second they had a shot. Right. Um, While virtually was, attacking nothing of substance. Right. Everything about time. him, you know, they were publishing, they were publishing flat out, like the whole P-tape. Right. You know, like, oh, he likes to get pissed on by Russian hookers. And a or bit. remember and, the whole, uh, what's her name, Stormy Daniels thing? Sure. Like, yeah. just, I mean, should, that was, even if that's real, fine. There's just so much shit that they just attacked him over nonstop. You can imagine if there was a socialist president, they would go twice as hard. Yeah. Because he's starting to take, or she, taking, threatening to take their money away. Right. So I mean, whole, just look at what they did with Bernie, like, both times he ran. Right. So, you know, there's some certain thing to be said that, like, all right, free press is actually a class within itself that is trying to protect its own interests and its own, like, profit and margins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not okay with that. Right. But then, we, so what's the opposite? The opposite is when the press attacked Trump, his own media form. You had Breitbart, you had OAN, you have all these, like, mm. weird fucking, you know, the Epoch Times. Epoch all Times, these, that's a big one. All yeah. these weird right wing sort of crank newspapers and, and YouTube channels and right. all this alternative media. Um, you know, sort of counterbalance that. And now we have two separate worlds of, of that. Right. And the question is, without sort of taking free... It's kind of like we're doing surgery. Right. Um, but someone poured sand inside. Right. And we got to remove all... We have to do the surgery while removing the grains of sand. And it's like, it's so messy. Oh, yeah. Can we even do this? Yeah. You know, do we just got to remove all of it? Like, do we, do we pull all of it and say, yo, no one gets fucking free speech? Can't yeah. do that. Can't do right? that. But picking the sand out is not working. Well, yeah, and especially and that's one of the biggest challenges. We we seem to be so bipolar on this topic where we want to censor people for saying overtly dangerous things because when we point something out that's dangerous, it's true. It's right. You're you know you're saying anti-vax shit. You're saying conspiratorial shit. You're you're inciting violence. You're doing this and that. Right. Like these are good reasons. And, and to how be quick would it be to turn around us? Exactly. And arguably, under the system we live in, like censorship would hurt the left way right. more. If, than if Trump rights. gets back into power. His yeah. second term, he doesn't have to face the ballot box ever again. No. I guarantee you, dude. Socialism is going to be like fucking outlawed. Like it's it's oh, going to yeah. be. Like, oh yeah. As a philosophy, he's going to come so fucking hard against Black Lives Matter and all these protests. The like, wrath of heaven will just oh come my down. God, this guy is going to uh, he's going to designate Antifa as a terrorist group. And didn't he did try that already, or he was about I got to? No fucking or idea. He, yeah, he um, or no, even like Biden recently had not recently but towards the beginning of his administration was drafting things trying to designate different groups as like extremist and you're too far right you're too far basically if you have anything against the status quo there's an issue sort of like codifying the overton window in law um which is terrifying but to go back to like the the original topic here with the the covid uh denialists deniers um the anti-vaxxers it's sort of a weird line where Clearly, if a YouTuber with millions of subscribers has a strange sexual relationship with a younger audience member, it doesn't even have to be a younger audience member, say someone perfectly of legal age. Sure. Everybody looks down upon it because they recognize that there's an implicit coercive uh, relationship. Power there. imbalance. And, there's know. a huge power imbalance. There's the, you know, um, the influence of this person with a lot of status. Um, and so there's this parasocial relationship that we all talk about sure. that is so significant because it, it, it sways people so significantly that we recognize, like, look, like, famous people 
generally can't be in relationships with non-famous people without it being sketchy. So what's, how do we take that into account while also simultaneously saying, oh, but we should allow extremely powerful and influential people to make whatever statements they want when it comes to matters of scientific, you know, uh, inquiry, medicine, when right. that kind of shit could you know, lead to loss of life, loss, you know, extreme damage. Like, that's probably just as bad. I have no answer for you. I just think it's, you know, power going to people's heads. They think that they can get away with anything. They want to weigh on, weigh right. on, on I things mean, they we, don't we know We are coming about. to a point where there's going to be some form of crackdown somewhere, whether or not it's the government making laws for Facebook and social media and Twitter and YouTube and blah, blah, blah whether or not it's these companies self-regulating because they have to, they're being forced to, otherwise they'll be you know, attacked by governments. Um, we're, we're going to enter something yeah, of, of I, a realignment soon with, with our freedom of speech rights. Yeah. Um, they already feel it. Like, I mean, in the early, I mean, there is some uh, social mm. alignment where before, I mean, growing up, 2000s, I mean, you could post anything you want on the internet. Mm. I mean, you could you'd say or do it. It was the Wild West. Right. Now, if you, you say some shit, people are going to attack you for it and right. try and cancel you and shit. Right. Um, and, and there's there's a thing there where it's like we are self-regulating, mm. but at a certain point, it's not going to be in, like self-regulation doesn't work. Right. You know, and, it, and it's no not one even, can self-regulate enough. Yeah. And it's like the what's crazy to me is that, you know, conservatives will say, oh, cancel culture sucks. Like people shouldn't be canceling each other. Everything we're doing is nothing new, right? Like if you're not same shit's always been. If you're if you are talking about it, like if you're stating an opinion in the public sphere, um, expect criticism. That's just how dialogue works. Someone says A, I disagree with A, I ridicule them, and I tell them why they're wrong, and I explain B as like a counter uh, idea. They are perfectly in the right to criticize me and say I'm a stupid person for believing B instead of A. I'm okay with like the interpersonal sort of cancellations that occur like on Twitter, you know, when someone gets ratioed, it's hilarious. We love dunking on blue check marks. Things get really scary. Once you have stuff like the YouTube algorithm, prioritizing mainstream media over independent media. Yeah. When you have financial incentive being there, right. The financial incentive for the like ad friendly content. Uh, when you have Twitter coming in and adding like experimental features to, mark something as fake news but giving like blue check marks the exclusive ability to use that power or you know all sorts of features that already tip the scales that are already in the favor in favor of like powerful people even more so in their favor it's it's becoming it's getting to the point where like those who are powerful and rich can just determine what truth is and everybody else is just sure here playing games like whatever that that's the kind of stuff that i worry about and that's the specifically the kind of stuff you don't see right. conservatives uh, i think the solution about. is to only promote this podcast exactly every week every other week depending on how busy we are and how we feel that day we're gonna wrap it up here. yeah we, we promised a light-hearted uh podcast episode but i feel like no matter what we do and try we always come back around to uh, everything's falling apart and there's nothing we can do about it. That's it. We're all doomed. So please like, comment, subscribe. Alright folks. Hopefully see you next week. Yeah, thanks for listening guys. See ya. This wasn't a video game.
was life and death.